I trust you guys have turned plenty of time to turn to First John, right? You're in First John. Okay, good. Good. It's a joy to be with you guys this morning to open God's Word. And uh, my prayer, my hope for you this morning is that, um, that you will be careful to listen to the truth of, of God's Word and that you will be comforted this morning. Um, really, what one Puritan said a, a while ago is that the job of the teacher, the job of the preacher, is to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Okay, so if you're comfortable in your sin this morning, I pray that you will be afflicted by God's word and that you will not leave here this morning without rep- confessing and repenting that sin. And if you are here this morning afflicted by your sin and you are sensitive to it before a holy God, I pray that you will leave comforted. So that's our prayer this morning, okay? Your Bibles are open to First John. Our title this morning is The Signs and Certainty of Salvation. The Signs and Certainty of salvation. Now, guys, one of the most common questions in the Christian life is this, okay? And one of the most common questions most teachers and pastors receive throughout their years of ministry is this, okay? When people come to them and they say, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? How do I know I have eternal Life. Now, let me ask you guys this real, really briefly with that question. What are some reasons you think why Christians doubt their salvation? What are some reasons? Pardon? Because they still sin. Exactly. Okay. Reason to doubt and wonder about your salvation. Man, I still sin. Yeah. You think you could, could still turn away? Okay. All right. There's that thought as well. Like, I could, I could lose my salvation, okay? I could turn away from this, yeah. It's the most important thing in your life, okay? Yep, good. Anything else? Any other reasons why, why Christians, be honest, why you doubt your salvation? Trials, Trials. yeah. Am I going to make it through? Exactly, Good. Good, okay? These are, you guys have touched on, on mostly all of them. Another couple that I would just mention is if someone has been under false or bad teaching of what the gospel is, of what God's word says, or kind of lo- along the lines of sin is, I don't see, I, I don't know if I see any fruit in my life. I don't see if I, I don't know if I see any, any, any growth there. Um, or how about this one? You just don't, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning. You just don't understand the teaching, the doctrine of assurance. God's word talks a lot about how you can be assured of your salvation. We're going to talk about that this morning, okay? Now, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he tells us to examine ourselves to see if we are truly in the faith. So, guys, that is a commandment from scripture. We are to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith, but at the same time, with that, 2 Peter 1.10 says, we are to be making certain of our salvation. God Almighty calls you and says, my dear children, I want you to make certain that you're mine. I mean, that's a, that's a great encouragement, isn't it? That's a command from God to you and I. So, Thankfully, God has given us a bunch of instruction for how we can know for sure that we have eternal life. And this brings us to the letter of 1 John, which I trust you're there. And the letter of 1 John, well, does anyone remember what the theme of 1 John is? As you guys think back a while ago, as Alejandro took you through the themes of of the Bible, what's the theme of 1 John? And if you get it, you you get an Altoid. Okay, I have an Altoid for you right here. Not that you like them, but okay. Anyway, what's the theme of First John? <laughs> Come on. The tests. Yeah, there we go. The te- That wasn't a youth. Who said that? <laughs> okay, you, you did say that? Yeah. Okay, okay. The tests of eternal life. Now, <laughs> this is good, okay? Understand this. The letter of First John was written for this purpose. Listen to 1 John 5.13. We're going to pound away at 1 John 5.13 this morning. 
the Apostle John says, I write these things. He's coming to the end of the letter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that. Guys, you need to be circling and underlining all the so that's in Scripture. Because you, sometimes you sit back from when you're reading your Bible and you're like, well, what's the point of this? What do I do with this now? What's the reason for why he just said, listen, so that you, the Christian, may know that you have what? Eternal life. <laughs> that is so encouraging this morning. Okay, So that you may know you have eternal life. But, but... There must be a testing before there's a knowing, right? For athletes, for musicians, for you name it, for getting a job, whatever it is, you must be tested before you can truly know, okay? So there must be a testing before there is a knowing. So the question is, then, how can you know that you have eternal life? Well, in the book of 1 John, the letter of 1 John, there is a series of tests that we're going to use this morning to examine ourselves and our faith. And as we look at them, remember that no one of us here this morning will do what we're going to go through this morning. You're not going to do or be in these things perfectly, okay? You're not going to be in them perfectly, but the true believer should be being characterized by what we're going to see as one grows in grace and in the faith, okay? So, you guys ready? It's test time. I know it's a Sunday morning. You're, you're, this isn't school, right? This, no, this, yeah, okay, this is test time still, okay? So, here we go. The first one is the test of fellowship. Now, I want you guys to be reading scripture out loud. I'm going to be coming to you so that we can hear it on the recording, okay? 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. This is the test of fellowship. Who wants to read 1 John chapter 1, verse 3? And everyone, there has to be a change. You can't, you can't read the scripture twice this morning, okay? We want to at least get through, because we have 12 tests we got to fly through here, okay? 12 quick tests. So there needs to be at least a mixture of 12 of you that, that can, can loudly read out God's word this morning for all to hear, for all to be built up in the truth, okay? Who wants to, to take that privilege this morning, okay? We're going to start over here for 1 John chapter 1. Verse 3. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, so that's the Gospel of John. That's very good. It's the same writer. It's the same writer. Okay? Same one. And there's a lot of tr the same words in the Gospel of John as in 1 John, but that's the Gospel. So keep going to the end of your Bible, right before Revelation and Jude there, and you'll get to 1 John, okay? Yeah. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Good. You guys hear the word fellowship in there? Fellowship, fellowship in us, in Christ, in God the Father. Fellowship. What is fellowship? What does fellowship mean when you think of the word fellowship? You guys do it all the time together in, in a certain way. Yeah. Um, talking to one another. Talking to one another. Yeah, that, that's a huge part of fellowship. Yeah. Drilling each other with hands and balls. Okay. That could be a part of fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. A little help with the word, of fel word fellowship. It's a super tight word. Okay. Koinonia. Okay. And, it, and it's referring to the, 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 what the oxen were, were contained in that yoke. And, and, and plowing the fields together. They were united in one purpose, yoked together with one purpose, okay? And so we have this fellowship here. We are partners in salvation together. Old, young, male, female. We have this partnership, this fellowship, but it's, it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him. In fact, John 17, and, and where you're reading from the Gospel of John there a moment ago, in John 17, 21, Jesus says this, he prays this, that they may all be one, all of his children may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. 
This is huge. This is a, a great fellowship. Athletes have a fellowship together. They have all this common bond together. Musicians do, okay? Uh, video gamers do. It's, there's this fellowship. There's this common zoom. They're lasered in. This word fellowship, another word for it, could really be this. Like, the first test of, of, of salvation is this. Like, salvation. Are you saved? Because if you are, you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are one with him. You are safe in the arms of the triune God who created the universe, who created you, who created me. This is fellowship. So the first test, and I'm going to be asking a question for each test, okay? The first test is this. Do you have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have fellowship with him and his redeemed people? Would you say you are one with God's people in the purposes of God for you in life, to glorify God in your body, in your mind, in and through all that you do? Do you have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? That's test number one. Test number two, moving on. 1 John 1, verses 6 to 7. Who wants to read 1 John 1, 6 to 7? Okay. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay. Do you guys hear that? Hear the word walking here? Walking. If you walk in the darkness, and yet you say you have fellowship, this word fellowship with him, you're lying and you're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship. It's this proof, continued proof, that we are in him. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Listen to John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. To put it simple, children of light walk in the light. Children of light walk in the light. They walk in the truth. Walking. So the question is, would people say you walk in the light or that you walk in the darkness? What would they say? What would they say? Walking. This was an idea in the first century, which everybody did. The, the, the number one mode of transportation was walking, okay? It wasn't even by a beast of burden or, or anything like that. It was by walking. You were known for how you walked. And it's the consistency of your life. How are you walking? Would people say you walk in the light or walk in the darkness? Test number three, confession. First John 1 eight to nine. Who wants to read that for us? Okay. Yeah. Um, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Good. What does confession mean? What does it mean to confess? Okay, good. To admit something. Good. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. To tell something that otherwise wouldn't be known. Good. Confession. This is test number three. Confession. Confession really means, a part, a part of what you guys have already mentioned, it means to say the same thing about sin that God says. To say the very same thing about sin that God says. Now that's not um, that's not fun <laughs> always, right? When we see the sin within, okay, especially the ones that like you know our friends or our moms and dads don't know about. That's not necessarily fun, but it's necessary, and it's necessary proof of your salvation. Okay, Proverbs 28, 13, one of my favorite Proverbs is, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. So if you're hiding your sin, you're not going to prosper. There's not going to be true success in your life. But he who confesses and forsakes them, 
forsakes, hates, turns away from, runs the opposite direction, will find, guess what you'll find? God's word says, Proverbs 28, 13. You will find compassion. Compassion. The compassion of God and even the compassion of others. You will find mercy there. A lot of times you think, oh, I can't confess this because, oh, what is he going to think of me? Oh, no. What is, oh, no. Nope. The exact opposite because all have fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> Confession. If we confess our sins, oh, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is to be the pattern of the Christian life. We are confessors. We are confessors. I, I, I as a father of my own household, need to be a confessor to my, my dear wife and children. I need to confess my sins. And by the way, James chapter 5 says there's, there's healing in, in confession there, and it's commanded. Confess your sins one to another and you'll be healed. <laughs> there's a healing there. There's compassion there. This is the word of God to us. Confession. So the question is for test number three, how are you doing with confession? Do you, as it was said, stated earlier, do you admit and confess your, your sin? Are you in the practice of confession? It doesn't end here. We go to, to number four, test number four. This is our favorite O word, right? Is this your guys' favorite O word? <laughs> Obedience. <laughs> Obedience, okay? Who wants to read 1 John 2, 3 to 5? Someone, someone different, okay? Yeah. Um, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in, in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Good. Did you guys hear that repeated word? Started with a K? What was that word? He who, what? Okay, there is the knowing. Yeah, huge part. We need to know this truth. What else, what else was there? If we keep, keep, that's right. If we keep his commandments, we've, we, we've, that means, this means increasingly we've come to know him. Whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God has been perfected. By this we, and there's the other K word, we know we know that we are in him. John 13, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, this is not only the Christian's duty, guys, obedience. It increasingly becomes your delight. Your duty will become your delight if you are in Christ. Why? Because you know the love of God. You are knowing it in Christ Jesus. And so your obedience shows your love for God. Obedience. So the question is, how are you doing at keeping his word? How are you doing with, with obedience? Are you obedient to God's word? Test number five. Love for God. Who wants to read 1 John 2, 15 to 17? Yeah. What is it? 2, chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Yep. To 17. Oh, yep. Okay. For all... That is in this world, the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is, a, is passing away and also its lust, but the, the one who does the will of God lives forever. The one who does the will of God lives forever, and part huge part of that proof is your love for God. So, question, let's put it this way. Um, what would your friends say about you? Would they say, man, my friend, he, she, is a, is a lover of God. He, he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. She, she loves the Lord Jesus Christ. I see that in her. I see that in him. You see that in, in, the, in the text here, in, in what was just read in 1 John 2, 
15 to 17, there is the lust of the eyes, right? The boastful pride of life, the lust of the flesh. Right? These things are, are, are not of God the Father. These things are of the world, the world system, right? H- how do you find yourself in this world? Do you find yourself battling against the world and against the sin that you know that is within? Is there a battle or is there just kind of a, just, just let it go? I mean, I love God. I read his word once in a while. I come to church. I, I do these things. Um, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I'm safe in the arms of God. <laughs> um, while you're at the same time toying with these things in your conscience, which we'll talk about in a moment, really isn't pricked so much. It's just kind of like, I want to enjoy what I want to enjoy, and I really want to go to heaven, so I'm just going to do these right things on the outward, kind of like you heard not too long ago, right? Cleaning the outside of the cup while the inside is dirty. How is your love for God? Is it being, is it being shown? Is it known? Does your life indicate you love God rather than the world? Does your life indicate you love God rather than the world system, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Test number six, righteousness. Who wants to read 1 John 2, 29? Yeah. 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 If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. One who practices righteousness is born of, of him. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The born-again Christian is one who actually hungers and thirsts for righteousness. If you're a Christian, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus which now, get this, you long to do what is right. You long to do what is right. And guys, this world tells you that a lot of things are right, and they ain't right. (laughs) But you know, according to the truth of Scripture, what is right and what is wrong. And you need to be very, very thankful for that. So, is your life characterized by doing what is right? Right. Now, guys, I'm not, I'm not, talk, I'm not asking you to, to recap the past 48 hours with all the wrong things that you did or all the wrong things that you thought. We're talking about a lifelong pattern here, okay, since profession of faith in Christ, okay? But is your life characterized by doing what is right? And that leads um, easily right into test number seven, purity. Who wants to read 1 John 3.3? 3? This is amazing. 1 John 3.3. 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. How, how do you and I, how are you and I then, in light of this text, to be growing in purity? What, what does the text say? What does that say? What was just read in 1 John 3, 3. How are we kept in this pursuit of living a pure life? You see what it says? has to do with hope. See that there in 1 John 3, 3? Everyone who has this hope fixed on who? Him purifies himself just as he, just as the Lord Jesus Christ is pure. So if your hope is fixed on him and your eyes are on him, you'll grow in purity. And, and by the way, if you back up in, at the end of verse 2, this is, this is awesome. Look at what it says. It says in the middle of verse 2, We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Are you guys excited to see the Lord Jesus Christ and all of his glory in his nail-scarred hands and his thorn-pierced brow and his side that was pierced, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world? Are you excited to see the one who has saved you from hell and the wrath of God that you deserve? Are you excited about that? Does that ever come into your mind and you think, and it blows your mind, even if it's just for a nanosecond, I'm going to see the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who made everything, 
the one who made me. And he died for all the sin that I, sin that is known and unknown, confessed and unconfessed, felt and unfelt. He died for me. He rose again for me. He's going to bring me home. I'm going to be in mansions of glory. Whoa. Guys, we get too in awe of the, the treasures and the things of this world where we're blown away by the crumbs of earth while we forsake the, the feast of heaven, which is Christ himself. You want to you grow in purity? You want assurance of your salvation? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Keep your eyes on him. How do you do that? Not just by gazing into the beautiful clouds and the universe that he's made, by gazing into the depths of his word. The treasures, the nuggets of gold like we sing at VBS. Are you digging those nuggets out? You have to be doing that. And that will encourage you and that will strengthen you. And you'll grow in purity. Not just sexual purity. I'm talking about thoughts, deeds, words. You will grow in purity. And that's another test of, of if we're his or not. If this is our desire. Test number eight, our habits, okay? Who wants to read 1 John 3, 5 to 6 out loud for us? Okay, Fox? Know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Hold on one second. <laughs> that just said if we sin, we're not his. Oh, give up, guys. Throw in the towel. You just read it. And you, well, it's important to know the Greek language and to know the context of 1 John because if you back up in the beginning of 1 John chapter 2, it just says, when you sin, my dear children, we have an advocate with the Father. That lawyer that stands between God the Father and us and says, I've shielded them from, from your wrath, Father, that they justly deserve and I've taken the punishment for them. He who is righteous does this for us. We have an advocate with, with the Father. We have a helper. We have a lawyer that's depleted our case because he's paid for our sins. Our sin debt is paid for. Yes. But then this says right here, if you sin, <laughs> you're not in him. Basically, you're not a Christian. But the importance, too, of understanding the Greek language here and the flow of it is that if you are in the business and the constant habit of practicing it in an unbroken way with the rebellious hard heart. That's what it's saying. So, the question is, do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Are you continuing in sin, on the other hand, as a way of life? And just no conscience pricked, no hatred of it, no love for God. Is it just a way of life? And you should really be hearing this a lot, okay? The, the, the Christian life is not about perfection. We will be perfect one day. We, we will be made like him. It is not about perfection. It's about, you guys should know this by now, it's about what? Direction. Are you moving in the right direction? Right? Is that where your heart beats? So what are your habits? Is there a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Or are you continuing in sin as a way of life? Unrepentant, hard-hearted, and rebellious. Number nine. Test number nine. First John 3.14. Who wants to read First John 3.14? Okay. okay. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. That is powerful language. You are abiding, you are remaining in a spiritual state of death. Dead to God, dead to Christ, dead to his word. If you notice in your life that you just have a hatred towards brothers, sisters in Christ, or even people you just don't like and they're not like in the cool and the in with you in life, and you just have this hatred, towards them that's maybe not even expressed but it's just in your heart you're just like dude I'm too good for them I do you have love for believers we know that we have passed out of death into life true life in Christ salvation that's what this life is because we love the brethren we he 
who does not love, you abide in death. Those in Christ now, guess what? Even as Alejandro mentioned earlier, you love one another. Okay? Because guys, it's, it's easy to love the lovables. It's, it's hard to love the unlovables. And guess what? You and I often, don't forget this, are unlovable. <laughs> and God has loved us. Should we not reflect what well, Scripture says? We are to love one another. Look at what Christ has done for you. Look at what Christ has done for, for me. Now, an important thing about love is, well, what is love? Listen, the world says love is one thing. We hear it in the songs. We see it in the movies. Oh, that's love. And no, it's not. <laughs> oh, oh, that must be what love. No, it's not. Guys, it's raw and it's clear in his word. Okay? You look at the Lord Jesus Christ. That is love. <laughs> That is love. And then another helpful way for us is to go to 1 Corinthians 13. Just listen to it really quick. What does love look like? What, is, what does love sound like? Okay, love is patient. <laughs> love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It's not puffed up. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Ouch. <laughs> you know, so I'm a seeker of my own, you know. Love, is, love does not just seek its own. It's not easily irritated. <laughs> love does not take into account a wrong suffered. I'm going to keep this in mind so I can get him or her back later when they do this to me. So I can get them back. I'm going to make a record of a wrong. My mom, my dad did this to me. My friend did this to me. I'm going to get them back. Someday. That's not love. That's not the love of Christ. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Guys, how are you doing with that? Do you rejoice in unrighteousness, the things that you might hear and certain conversations or movies or the, the world. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. It rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It hopes all things, believes all things. Love endures. Love endures all things. This is love. This is the love of Christ. This is how we are to be walking. These are the footsteps. These are the footprints we are to be walking in. This is love. Do you love your love for believers? Is it there? Do you show love to one another? Next test, number 10, our deeds. Okay, this all comes together in 1 John 3, 18 to 19. Who wants to read that? Someone else. 1 John 3, 18 to 19. Anybody else? Yeah. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Wow, this is huge, guys. Okay, this is huge. So the question is, listen, it's easy to say I love you, right? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's hard for us to say that sometimes. <laughs> It's easy to say, I love you. It's another thing to show it by your deeds, to actually show it in your deeds. The deeds of love involve washing dirty feet, okay? Now, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying get, take, no, keep your shoes on, okay? That's not what we're saying. We see the amazing, humble love of, of Christ washing his disciples' feet. That's a deed that is done. That doesn't just say, hey, disciples, I love you. He actually washed it. He did the, the job of a slave. And so often, guys, you think we, we think we're too good for these deeds that's called of us in the Christian life. <laughs> we are to humble ourselves, and our deeds is to show our love for God and for one another. And then John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends, but even greater than that? That's amazing, that one would lay down his life for his friends. Give your life up for your friends. But then it goes far beyond that. And in Romans 5.8, Paul says this, God demonstrates his own love, his own love towards us in that while we were yet stiff-arming him, while we were yet sinning against him, he died for us. <laughs> That's incredible love. When's the last time you forgave someone? Or you, you showed deeds of love towards someone, even in the act of while they were sinning against you. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I did that. I don't know if I ever have. <laughs> this 
these are the deeds that we are to show towards one another. In other words, the question is, do you walk the walk versus just talking the talk? Do your deeds, do your actions really actually show your love for God and your love for others? Test number 11, conscience. Conscience. First John 3, 21. Who wants to read that short one for us? Yeah. Good. You're good. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Did you guys hear that? If your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence before God. Now listen, guys. When you sin, your heart should condemn you. <laughs> you should be like, oh, I hate this. I'm broken over this before a holy God. I hate this. But did you see what it just said? Beloved, if our hearts do, do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So in other words, <laughs> the less you sin and the more your fruits are showing the works of righteousness because you love God, the, 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 more, the, the, the less your heart's going to condemn you. You can walk in the joy and the freedom of Christ because he's purchased this for you. You mean I can actually not sin? Yep. <laughs> By the power of the Holy Spirit and his word living within you, we can do this. So the, the question is for number 11, and this might be confusing, I don't want it to be, but your conscience. What is a conscience? Conscience is that little courtroom in your brain that either condemns you, says you're guilty, or it excuses you. You're walking in righteousness. So your conscience, if it's active, and it should be, and it's a gift of God, okay? Your life... It will show you as you read God's word, it's a mirror, of God, it's a mirror to us, his word is, and we, and we check back, we see what I'm doing, how I'm living, how I'm thinking, how I'm, and with God's word, and we say, okay, I see growth there. I see, yeah. Or your conscience is going to say, condemn, condemn. No, you're, you're, you're not. You have a rebellious heart. You're, you're not repentant. You're not walking in love. You're not walking in the truth. So your conscience, how is your conscience? The question is, do you maintain a clear conscience? God wants you to maintain a clear conscience. You want to have a clear conscience, don't you? You want to be able to go to school, walk out the door, say hi to mom and dad, say hi to your kids, and be like, man, there's not, my life is an open book. My life is an open book. And all that I have set an answer, it's confessed. God's forgiven it. My, my mom and dad, my friend, it's for, forgiven. I can walk in freedom and joy. I have a clear conscience. Guys, there are some of you here today, you don't have clear consciences. You're hiding something. You haven't confessed it before God, first and foremost, and he's calling out to you to do so. Uh, your other friends, your, your uh, pastor, teacher, youth leaders, your, your mom and dad, they want to know that so that they can pray for you and help you. Proverbs 28, 13, again, it's one of my favorite Proverbs. If you're concealing your transgressions, if you're hiding them, you will not truly prosper in life. But if you confess and forsake them, you will be shown compassion that's so great. This is good news. We should throw a party right now because of such truth. Exactly. You guys will later. Conscience. How is your conscience? And number 12, increasing victory. First John, who wants to read the last passage for us? First John 5, 4 and 5. Yeah. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that jesus is the son of god the victory that overcomes the world is the scriptures just said our faith and another word for our faith is god's salvation what he has done for you it's not your own personal faith oh i gotta muster up good faith and i gotta really be strong in this no because if that's how you're living, you're going to fail. You're going to fall right on your face. <sighs> okay? You will not have victory if that's how you... But if you see what Christ has done for you, and you bask in love and wonder awe of what he's done for you, you'll have increasing victory. Just like back in 1 John 3, 3, if your eyes are fixed on him, if he is your hope, he's your treasure, he's your joy, you'll have increasing victory. So, the question is, do you experience victory? In the Christian walk. We're not talking about constant, always, every single time, perfect victory. We're saying, have you seen victory? 
any increase of victory in obedience to God in your Christian walk. So, these are the 12 tests, a lot of tests. They all summarize into one thing, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but just have a few more words before we get to, to the video. Um, actually, it looks like we are out of, we're out of time um, for me to finish off my notes. So, um, just, just in light of everything that we've said, remember why this letter is given to us, why these tests are given to us, and I can I quickly go through this. Remember, guys, it's so that you may know that you have eternal life. The reason we're, we've gone through, we've flown through 1 John this morning is so that you may know you have eternal life. A couple reminders here. Sin and Satan, remember you, the war that you were in. It is a war, okay? 1 Peter 2, 11. The, the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. 1 Peter 2, 11 says, it's a raging war that is against your soul. But guys, if you're not in the battle and just kind of like, easy go, and, and then I'm fine, I'm comfortable, check yourself. Remember that you can resist Satan. First Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, resist him and he'll flee from you. Resist. You turn to Christ, you turn to his word, you turn to prayer, you turn to brothers and sisters in Christ, you can resist. Remember that God is faithful. Please memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. He will always grant you a way of escape. Okay? And we have our Savior and security. Truths of that, the child of God is kept. First John, uh, sorry, <laughs> Jude, verse 1, says we are kept. We are kept by him. What a sweet word. We're kept by him. But then, you know what verse 21 says? It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. You need to be keeping yourselves. And you want to keep yourselves in the love of God. Read those two verses sometime. The child of God is prayed for, the Lord Jesus Christ. He he prayed for you in the garden. He's prayed for you from eternity past. John 17, he prayed for all his disciples. He said for those to come, that means he was thinking of every single one of you here this morning. Incredible. He prays for you even now. As we see in Hebrews, he intercedes for you and I. He helps you and I. The child of God cannot be snatched. John 10, 29. We are in his hands. The Father wraps his hands around us. The work of the Son is secured for us. It is finished upon the cross. You can't be snatched. And Romans 8, 35 to 39. The child of God cannot be separated from his love. You might think, guys, this morning, oh man, you have no idea the sins I've thought, I've done. Nobody knows it. God knows it. (laughs) God knows it. And yet, if you're a child of God and you've repented of your sin, you put your faith in him, you cannot be separated from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God in Christ for what he's done for you. So with all this said, I want this video to, it's going to summarize basically what we've just said. And it's an encouragement. It's a Q&A between John MacArthur and um, a young lady in, in his congregation asking the very same question we've been wrestling with this morning. So please listen carefully, be encouraged by this, and then we're going to pray. Yes. Thank, thank you for uh, answering my questions. My name is Joy. Hi, Joy. And it's an uh, answer to prayer to be here. So here they are. Three real quick questions, a little complicated. How do I know if I am saved, if I have blasphemous thoughts? Should I be taking communion if I am not sure if I am saved? If I am not chosen, would I even care about being saved? Really good questions, Joy. You have a wonderful name, but sometimes it's hard to live up to, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, how would you like to be named Joy and have to always be assumed to be possessing all of that? I can, I can hear the cry of your heart, Joy. I, I, I want to make it as simple as I can. Um, the fact that you are asking these questions is evidence of the work of God in your heart. It is evidence of your desire for Him and for salvation and to know Him. That, that is evident there. The fact that you would stand up in front of all of us and, and unbear your heart in such a sweet and honest way is evidence of the, of the hunger of your heart to know Him, and I think that's what you're essentially saying. Um, the way you know that you are saved is by your desire. Do you desire to know God? Yes. 
Do you desire do you desire that he would know you and love you? Yes. Do you desire to love him? Yes. Do you desire to honor him? Yes. Do you desire to obey his word? I do, but I it, I can't do it on my own strength. Well, of course not. Join the club. <laughs> and that's why we're all here. This is the same with all of us. Um, it's all of grace, isn't it? It's all of grace. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 helps us because this is the Apostle Paul. This is the, the one that we would elevate as the, su the supreme example of, of a Christian. And he says, um, well, he calls himself a wretched man because he says, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. Uh, he said, there is, a, there is a principle in me that loves the law of God, but I see another principle in me warring against the principle of my mind, and it's the principle of my flesh, and it causes me to do the very opposite of the things I want to do. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And that's, that's a very interesting illustration. One of the ways that murderers were punished in the ancient world was that the victim that they had murdered was was strapped to their body, and eventually the decay from the corpse would destroy them. Paul feels, even though he's a believer, that he's got a, the dead body of his, of his sinful nature still tied to him. So what you're saying to me is essentially the same cry that came out of the noblest of all Christians. And that very cry is evidence of the work of God in your heart, that, that you desire to know God, to be loved by God, to love God, to honor God, to obey God, and that you know you can't is a statement of a genuine believer because you recognize that you aren't everything you should be and you are utterly dependent upon God Himself and upon the Holy Spirit. That's true of your salvation. You can't save yourself and you can't sanctify yourself. So you're, you're where all honest Christians live. You, you're saying, I'm not what I, what I want to be, but I know what I want to be. I'm not what I ought to be, but I know what I ought to be. It's, it's about direction. It's about affection. It's about love. And we've talked about that recently when Jesus was restoring Peter. Uh, in John 21, he said three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And Peter had been caught in disobedience again, and yet he said, Lord, you know, you know me, you know I love you, then feed my sheep. He accepted the failing uh, life of Peter, the tendency to be disobedient. and. Um, even maybe to have uh, ungodly thoughts, which is just part of that remaining sin nature. But he accepted that man, and he accepts all of us, if we love him and calls on us to love him more. So you don't, you don't want to evaluate the character of your salvation by your failures. You want to assess the genuineness of your salvation by your desires, by what you love, what you long for, what you want. And you're here, and that, that says everything. This is not a, a place for people running from God. This is a place for people running to Him. But asking the question is important. The the purest joy, to kind of play on your name a little bit, the purest joy in the Christian life comes when we are obeying Him, loving Him, serving Him, worshiping Him. That's when we enjoy the most assurance. Security is one thing. Security means that I am saved and He will keep me until I see Him face to face. I'm secure in Him. That's not assurance. Assurance is the confidence I have in my mind of my salvation. Many people are saved, they're secure, secured by God in that salvation, but they don't always have the assurance. Why do we struggle with assurance? Because 
We know our weakness because we know our temptations, because we know we're not what we ought to be, sometimes because we fall into a pattern of sin and we lose our assurance, sometimes because um, perhaps we have been taught wrongly that um, you might do something that cause you to lose your salvation, and that generates a certain amount of fear. But to go back to the main point, the very desire of your heart is the evidence of the work of God in your life because unregenerate enemies of God don't have those desires, okay? Does that help? Thank you. Thank you, Joy. Guys, your desire shows where you're at. What is your desire? What is your longing? To know Him? To glorify Him? To live for Him? To follow Him? Remember, true disciple of Christ, you know what the Lord Jesus says. You say you're coming after me? You say you're mine. That means you will be denying yourself. You'll be taking up your cross and you'll be following me. And we know what it looks like to follow Him. So, you're in Christ this morning. You heard it just said right here. You're secure forever. And God wants you to have assurance. How awesome is that? Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, blameless before his glory on that day when you see him face to face. That is the greatest joy. That is the greatest peace of all. Dear students, forsake your sin, forsake the world, and even as the song says, give me Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your kindness towards us in showing us these great truths in your word. Lord, I pray that each student here this morning, each young woman, each young man would know that they are safe and secure in your arms, Lord, if they are truly yours. And if they are not, Lord, if they have a rebellious, hard heart and they're here for all the wrong reasons, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself in the truth of your word and that they would not leave this place today comfortable, but very uncomfortable because they stand before and they will stand before your holy wrath, which we all deserve. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance. I pray, even as your word has said, we can cry out for mercy and you will be merciful to us. So I pray, Lord, for salvation for every student here this morning, that you would be glorified and that they would know the joy of salvation in you, Lord Jesus, our treasure, our champion, our friend. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.